comes. Here. And watch out! He's got Wow. Point, because there's a 6% slope, 50 feet. So right now it will gather speed. Good weight. A two footer. Oh my goodness. All the way. Can you believe that? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 17 of the Walk It In podcast. We are here to break down all things Zurich Classic and look ahead to the Valspar Championship. That was our best attempt at alternate shot magic from over the weekend. How'd we do? I, I think okay. But better we're podcast than, hosts. We're supposed to have Usti that script. And Schwartzel in the playoff. Yeah, poor Usti stepping up to the 18th tee in the playoff hole and a quick swipe right, and he was he was wet, and that was over, just like that. Oh, we did all right though, and kudos to you grabbing a winner on Team Aussie. Thank you, Louis Oosthuizen, for going in the water on 18 and gifting me the 12 to 1 ticket on Leishman and Smith. I appreciate Great that, Louis. Hope you guys followed Jeff on that one. That was a big time pick. I thought I had really good spot with Horschel and Burns the first it couple looked of days. Good the first couple of days. And, really good. Uh, they actually they probably left some out there on Thursday and still shot what nine or ten under on on day one. And they probably could have been up north twelve under or so. Um, Burnsy burned an edge on an eagle putt on yeah. two, I believe. Like they were rolling. And <laughs> Horschel was exactly what I think we expected him to be in this format. Like super intense reading putts for burns like he was just awesome tell, he was going for all of the glory and i could they they didn't have the best second day and then kind of picked it up again um on the weekend um to, to catch that top 10 but mm -hmm. i was rooting for the win obviously i didn't get it I'm glad somebody on this pod did um leishman and cam smith were electric all weekend right yeah i mean they showed up to the t on saturday or sunday with the mullet yeah mm -hmm. well leishman showed up the mullet cam smith takes his mullet everywhere that's right he, he just wears that birthday suit that is <laughs> did you hear the broadcast on sunday say that cam smith promised his wife that if he won a tournament he'd shave the mullet well yeah he said sorry it's staying now is it did he okay yeah. good good, yeah. good man cam, cam smith said no, not not verbatim, but he says something like it's it's a part of me now. I got to apologize to her. That's right. Well, so. Bryson has his silhouette on his uh, on his hat. I think we need a Cam Smith logo with the flow um, and that tight, that real tight cut he got from Leishman on Thursday then, or Friday was saucy. And you can really never get rid of it if he makes a logo out of it. That's true. Then it's just enshrined. It's enshrined in the logo Hall of Fame. It's like it's like as iconic as the T in the W banner. Right. Then you got then you got Cam Smith's mullet. I think I think we we have to have him stick with this, and it sounds yeah. like he's on board. And I I know I give you shit all year for just riding Cam Smith all you, all day. Him, day. Max Homa, those are my boys, and it has paid off for you. So this time kudos, it did. Kudos to you. I will no longer give you Cam Smith hate. Um, and it really, I never gave you hate. I just kind of no, like to rib you for taking him all the time. He's I, an excellent golfer, having an excellent season. He is. He was money with the putter. They made a great duo. Those two guys were, um, they were never really in control. I mean, they had that bad break on 16 where they rolled up underneath the Cypress tree mm -hmm. and then Leishman comes out and chips in on, or no, that was 15, I think. And then 16 is where he chipped in because then they played the par three. So, right. Yeah. And electric fun. chip in. Yeah. It was really it was fun. 
it was awesome. Schwartzel and, and Usti gave it a run. They did. Um, and, you know, they're obviously really good teammates, really comfortable with each other. Sure are. International team, President's Cup vibes all like all throughout the last few holes there um because the rest of the leaderboard was all americans basically but uh but those two teams they just chugged along right to the finish it was awesome uh for all four of those guys and really loved the tournament i i kind I of i did too i really i, I really liked it shit to alternate shot last week when we were previewing it and i was like i don't really prefer alternate shot personally but as far as watching on tv give me every tournament like this it was awesome so if you i mean and it was and you were saying you didn't like alternate shot but you weren't were you saying you would prefer best ball all four versus alternate shot all four well, or just well, i was just saying from a personal to play. playing perspective yeah 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 i wouldn't mind four rounds watching pga tour uh pga tour guys go alternate shot for four rounds like yes. i wouldn't mind that and it, it turned out to be pretty electric you know the best ball is cool too scoring might be a little bit easy in that that's what i think i don't like the best ball with the the scoring the way it is it's just a birdie fest and it's not even like a scramble but if you give these guys two chances at at a hole like they're going to make birdies and so you see 20 under you know just like that and it's not even so much that the scoring gets to 20 under i guess it's just like it they're just such a it's such a cruise along thing i just right the alternate shot there's more strategy i love you know deciding okay who's gonna play the odd holes who's gonna play the even holes yeah i mean they were talking about it like specifically like horschel and burns obviously i was like glued to them for a lot of the weekend but like the way they decided to do it was horschel is a better approach player out of the two of them and burns is a better putter so the way the par threes lined up with the odds and evens, like Horschel had more approach shots into like the par threes and, and like that, which gave Burns a, an opportunity for more putts. So, you know, it's strategy, like you said, there's more pressure for each shot. Love that um, part. Love that. You know, part. And, and it, was, it could be heartbreaking when, you know, Schwartzel can't go and, you know, read, you know, read a, a good one on, on the playoff, but like, that's life. And like, that's the format. And it was awesome. Shane Bacon said, uh, he tweeted out, he's a, um, media personality for golf channel. NBC does some stuff with the PGA tour. He said a fun wrinkle in the future would be to have the opposing team pick who has to tee off on the playoff hole. So Uh, walking up, imagine, imagine if the other team said, we want you to drive on that hole with the water and you have to stand over that ball and be like, ah, crap. Yeah. I mean, you would think veterans like Usti and Schwartzel, like that's not really going to get to them. Like it was just a bad shot. You know, Usti's done some good things in his career. So, you know, I, I don't know if he, it's not like he choked or anything. He just hit a bad shot, but standing over the ball, you're right. Like the way that hole was, was set up, like <laughs> there's trouble there. It's a tough shot when everybody's there watching in a playoff. We have plenty of dudes went in the water on 18, a hole that like is a birdie hole if you put the ball in the right spot. But then the beauty of that hole particularly is if you, so right-handed driver, right? Slice it, you're in the water. But if you try to overswing and play it too far to the left, you're in those pop bunkers. And then that takes out any chance of you going for the green. Which two. the Aussies were. Right. And, you know, luckily their opponents were in the water. But, yep. I mean, they kind of almost made it interesting. 
more interesting than it had to be on that playoff hole because they went and one of those bunkers left. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Cam Smith who drove, uh, and you know, he was clearly trying to avoid the water Mm -hmm. and then Leishman basically just had to punch it out of the sand. And, you know, from there it's like trying to make par Mm -hmm. and that, you know, that's tough. If you were the commissioner of the PGA, you would, so we were just talking like the idea of, oh, so cool that they did this. Like the alternate mm-hmm. shot was fun and the tournament ended up being a great time. What would you do with the future of like team golf and alternate shot? Do you think this is just like, oh, it's a cool thing. We do it once a year at the Zurich or would you want more? I want more. At least, I think there should be at least two. You know, maybe like put one in the the spring, you know, like it is now. And then like one later in the summer or something like that. There, I mean, there's an entire year full of events and some are frankly like pretty shitty yeah so you know they definitely are it's easy it's not like this field though was stacked no but there were some good players but but i think the fact that it's not stacked makes this event this this is a good forum for it because the field isn't typically stacked and i think it creates a different dynamic for the guys right and even for for a tournament who may host just like a regular stroke play event that isn't well attended and well viewed. If you change the format, like that increases viewership and ticket sales too down the line. So like, that's something to think about. I don't know. You know, we talked about like the Barracuda is like the only event on the schedule with a lower purse. Now that's opposite the British open. So that's obviously not going to happen, but like, you know, you take an event of that caliber Mm-hmm. and turn it into some kind of a fun, maybe a four round alternate shot event. Like you're going to get interest in it from players and from fans. Yeah. And if you figure out a way again, even just to increase the purse slightly, I think it was like a, a million split between the top two guys yeah. ended up being the, the final prize. I'm still, I don't think any of them are complaining about a $600,000 oh. payday, but, but I wonder when, so alternate shot aside, this whole team thing, I was thinking about this. I love that dynamic. I think it's so cool. I mean, you saw the the Scheffler Watson, like, how'd you guys become partners? Well, Bubba didn't have eight guys didn't want to play with him and uh, five guys didn't respond to me. So here we are, right? That Scheffler's stuff a is a funny cool. dude, by the way. But <laughs> yeah, he, he's got he's got a really good uh uh sort of humor about him. But I would love to know if the PGA has ever really explored like a season long team event. So you've got these WGCs, you've got the majors, right? Everything else is about FedEx points. And I get it because the FedEx cup is the end of your tournament. And that, you know, it's a pretty big payday. I just think this team event stuff could be really cool if it had its own little mini season schedule sort of thing. The infrastructure there, I think would need a lot of work. Probably would. But I mean, on its face, it would generate interest for sure. I just don't know how you would do it when there's so much on the line individually in yes. golf. Yes. With money and majors and, you know, it basically season long qualifying for Ryder Cups and President's Cups and, and sort of. Right. There's so much like that. Right. I don't know how that would ever work, but at least give us a second tournament in a, in a year. Okay. Uh, like yeah. that. Cause I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. I would be. I'd be really interested to see what the and maybe you know, and maybe you and maybe you get bigger stars to come out for at least one of them. Like maybe this, you know, the, some of the Spring Break boys team up and like yeah. you know things like that. Like would be yeah. like real cool to see. Um, you know, you could get 
you know, old time, like Ryder cup team teammates together, like yeah. who don't typically play together during the year, you know, like what if you had like Fleetwood and Molinari, like just tearing mm-hmm. up a team event, like that's kind of cool or, you know, things like that. So. Yeah, um, I mean, Stenson and Rose basically tried to do that this week and they didn't cool. play poorly, but I, I think the thing I'm thinking, and then I'll, I'll put it to bed because that's not happening and we're not here to pretend of what the PGA tour might become, but like I'm a lacrosse guy in the professional lacrosse league took the idea that teams lacrosse teams in specific cities doesn't really work because there's not a huge following inside specific cities. So there's no longer cities, right? Each team is just a group of guys and they travel location to location. Why couldn't the PGA do something similar where you just have a team of six guys and maybe not all six show up, but they're a part of the same team and there's a points race towards the end of the season and big paycheck, whatever, Again, maybe not all the guys show up because you got to work the calendar. I know there's a ton of logistics. I just think other leagues have looked at this concept in golf outside of the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. There's not many team events, but these, like the Zurich, show that there's a pretty cool, cool vibe to it. Could be, yeah, at least for sure. So I, I, I liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it this week. Sure did. Yeah, it was great from from start to finish. Like we said, good week for us, not just for me. I mean, you hit the Terrell hat and will it top 10. They charged on Sunday. Yeah. Horschel Burns. Uh, huge 65, 69 from Willett and Hatton um, to kind of erase a pedestrian first two days, I guess you can call it. I mm-hmm. know they were over par on day two. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, they played well. Disappointing. Uh Grace and, and HV3 didn't make the cut, and neither did Kisner and Brown, two teams that I was pretty high on. But uh, Kisner and Brown were almost DFL. They they did not show this weekend. It was brutal. And we said coming in, you know, they neither of them were the in great not, form. Yeah. You know, we were just kind of hoping that, or at least I was hoping that, uh, you know, bringing the band back together would, you know, do, do well for them. And they just didn't have it. But um almost got lucky with Horschel Burns winner I'll take the top 10 and Willett and Hatton like you said and that's pretty much it how was your card the rest of it besides that it was non-existent I had Brown and Kiz I had Hovland and Ventura with the top 20 who for a while there looked like they could do it and then the wheels fell off on Sunday and they plummeted they did the Sunday slide which you or I is always guaranteed one real solid Sunday slide and they were I want to say second to last or close to it on Sunday in the entire field. Like they played badly. They were very bad. But besides that, Bradley and Steele, they were in it. They were joking with, they weren't joking. I mean, they were serious uh, when they were saying those two guys coming down to 18, if they could birdie, get in at 19 in the house, you never know what could happen. Didn't matter. They didn't do it, but I had a win on bet, win bet on them. And then the team bomber of Watson and Scheffler, they flirted with it, but they were never sharp enough to to really contend this week. There was a couple moments where they got in the mix, but long-term form won out, and those two guys didn't really mix there. So. Speaking of Team Bomber, Cameron Champ and Tony <laughs> oh, yeah. now. The ultimate, what was their, they called themselves Team Send It? Yeah, Team, team Send It, and PGA Tour was just licking it up yeah, on social media. Sure were. Team Send It this, Team Send It that, because they had a great three day, uh, first three days, and then obviously Tony Finau is going to Tony Finau <laughs> and Cam Champ is just not really that good. He's not. No, he's not. So they did what they do on Sundays and shot a 76 and fell all the way down to T17 after starting, I think, second place on Sunday. Yeah, they were, they were in it. They were in it. And they were, 
I think a lot of their troubles were champ. Like Finau played relatively well, but in the format, it doesn't really matter. It's champ. Team champ game. is so brutal around the green yeah. and like yeah. with his irons, like it was champ was tough to watch and Finau just, you know, he is what he is. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, from the beginning to the end, I enjoyed every single round of this tournament way more than I thought I did when we were talking about it. I was just like, eh, yeah, whatever. But I really got into it. And I, I, Thoroughly enjoyed it, especially on Sunday. I mean, it always helps when you've got a ticket on a group or That's a right. guy on the final group. But this was a good tournament, and some of these guys are going to show up again on our card this week um, because we're turning to Valspar. Unless you have anything else you want to say about no, about take Zurich. it away for Valspar. All right, so we move back over to Florida uh, after a little bit of time in Texas and Louisiana. We are in the final tournament for Valspar. It's basically this week. And then we've got, I think, Quail Hollow coming up. And then we're pretty much at the PGA, which do you remember my question to you a couple weekends ago or a couple weeks ago about Roy McElroy's odds at Kiowa? Yep. Do you know where those have started to started to slide towards? In the 30s? No, not in the 30s yet. I think he's up to 18 okay, at DraftKings. So, so he might be in the 20s, mid-20s, maybe by PGA time. I would think because You've got a pretty good field here with some big names. You've got a what I assume will be a pretty huge, good field at Quail huge Hollow. Huge field at Quail Hollow. Yeah, I, I forget the numbers, but I want to say it's like seven or eight of the top ten. Mm-hmm. And like you know, it's a it's going to be a really good field at, at Quail Hollow. We'll obviously do that when we get there. But um, like you said, big big tournaments here coming up. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So Valspar, you got Wells Fargo, then you got the AT and T Byron Nelson, and then you've got Quail Hollow. So I think most of the big names will be here. And they'll be at Quail Hollow. I bet we see Roy at Quail Hollow, but I don't expect Roy to do well. His game's just not in a good place. Maybe he gets to 30, and maybe we have a field day on that. But I think Quail Hollow's his spot. Maybe that's when he gets hot. Maybe he would. Maybe he would find a good form going into into Kiowa. But my point is, I think other guys will continue to play pretty well. And I think his odds are more likely to continue towards the towards the 30, then back towards the 10, which he was a couple weeks ago. So, right. Anyways, I needed to throw that nugget out there because we've been eyeing that since the the odds came out and his lackluster performance at the Masters. But this week, we are in this Brook Resort, the Copperhead course. Uh, this is a very difficult course. It's a long 7,300 yards. It's a par 71, but not the par 71 you're used to, where it's one short par five or short Three. one typical <laughs> par five. You've got four par fives, but you've got five par threes, and those things have teeth. They are yeah. long. One of them is part of the snake pit, which, um, what's the, is it the Honda that has the bear trap, mm-hmm. which, which really didn't play that difficult at Honda from what I remember. This thing plays difficult. The snake right. pit is legit tough. And I think I remember reading of the five par threes, only one of them plays under par if i'm not mistaken like those are that's yeah. five tough holes yes. for as far as like you know iron shots into a par three go i hate walking up and again i've never been near the pga tour now nor will i ever get near the pga tour but i hate walking up to a par three that's outside of 180 yards it's just like oh really really this, yeah. this is not fun this is not fun i don't want to have to do this i'm not a good long iron player I make my hay around the greens and these all are the shortest is 190. And I think a couple of them can get up to 235. 
there's going to be a lot of, even on the par fours, there's going to be a lot of shots like that because of how narrow mm-hmm. the fairways are. I think that you're going to see a lot of people taking less than driver mm-hmm. to try to be a little bit more accurate and, and, and hit more greens that way. It, it's, it's a very narrow fairways. Um, so you're looking one of my, one of the stats I'm looking at this week is, is long approaches, like you mm-hmm. said. So, you know, 275 or 175 to 200, 200 plus, like yep. how, how, how do guys do on approach from those yardages? Um, how people do around the greens, because when you have that long into the green, mm-hmm. you're not going to hit the green all the time. So um, for what seems like one of the few times this year, uh, for me personally, I think around the green is going to be pretty important. And then putting, you're going to have, you know, they're uh, average to below average in size, uh, Bermuda grass again. And, yep. um, you know, similar to what they've been playing on for a while now. So I think putting should be pretty straightforward for these guys, but you got to hit the green first. Yeah. And Paul Casey is coming back to defend back to back wins here. There was no tournament in 2020, but he won in 2019 and 2018, um, you, this would be a complete game to, sort of course. Like this is going to test you in a lot of ways. And um, I don't think many guys walk in here without their game and walk out anywhere near the top 20 on the leaderboard come Sunday. Cause the majority of the final round scores here are 10 ish under it's not a, it's not a birdie fest. No, right. But you've got to play these par fives well, and then kind of just tread water, right? Like don't mm-hmm. make mistakes. And if you can go, three under for four days like you'll probably be up at the top yep you know three under times four obviously Mm -hmm. yeah Um, par five scoring was is a big one my my overall you talked about the long approaches i looked at 200 plus yards on approach given a lot of the five par threes for that matter the only reason i put 175 in there as a starting point was because like you never know what it's going to be and i'd rather kind of have like two points of reference that's mm-hmm. why i started at 175 but i'm sure there will be a bunch of 200 yards plus approaches yeah it, it, again it will likely be with the turn with the the field that we have paul casey justin thomas victor dj Corey connors which is kind of fun to mention Corey connors in in that group of names but the dude has been playing really well um you're gonna have a, a really solid tournament i think and a number of guys that we like this week. I, well, Cam Smith's not here. So no Cam Smith, you know, who is here, but who's not on my card, Max Homa. So there is room boys. There is room for new picks on, on my card. I've got an old pick coming back this week too. You'll know it right off the bat. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. You'll know it. And, but I've also got some new, uh, some new tricks, uh, new tricks up your sleeve. Yeah. You know, not tricks, but, some new guys I'm hoping to ride a little bit I love and, it. uh, and one real long shot, I think could be really good too. This is going to be fun. Well, I don't have anything else to break down. I think we should jump into this. Um, I think this week again, I mean, I only had a half unit on, on my boys, uh, Leishman and Smith last week, but I believe you yeah, still I, are. I lost, away. A, I lost a unit overall last okay. week. Okay. And you know, what did it is I put two units on Varner and grace and instead of the one, and that's what, that's what got me in the negative last week, but alas, I'll go first again. Uh, my first pick is going to be on my guy, Charlie Hoffman. Love him this week. 
He is playing really good golf. Um, so I've got him a top 20. It's plus 188 offered by DraftKings, and I'm going to put two units on it. Uh, so that's going to be my lone two-unit play. But uh, he finished uh, T11 uh, in the team event last week at Zurich. Before that, T18 at uh, the Heritage, a solo second at Valero. He's playing excellent golf. Um, and then statistically, when you're looking at what to target this week, the guy is at the top of the board, basically, on all these stats. He's second in the field. His last 16 rounds, T to green. Fourth in strokes gained approach. 11th around the green, which I told you is super important. 17th in putting. The guy is getting it done right now. In addition, he is 38th this season in GIR percentage. So he's done it over the long haul. He's 24th in approach from 175 to 200. So he's got the long approach working as well. I like Charlie Hoffman this week as well. I won't spoil where he is. He's not on my inside of leather, but for all the reasons you just mentioned, his statistical profile looks great this week. And I, I think Charlie Hoffman is a, especially like for daily fantasy, which is not obviously what we're talking about here, but Charlie Hoffman's got to be in your mix. Given recent form, all of his stats and the fact that he's had success at this tournament, it's like that's a pretty good play come, come daily fantasy time. Like I feel like, you know, when people are looking at the stats, obviously they'll probably see him, but maybe because of who he is, he's still a little bit overlooked. He's yep. only $8,600 on DraftKings, like you said. Yep. Um, for a guy who's in the 40 to 50 to one range this week, he, I mean, that <laughs> those odds are way too long for what he's doing on the course right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I love, I love that top 20. It's uh, almost two to one odds. And hopefully that'll be, uh, an easy cash. We'll see. Love it. I will, I will take the mic, but I will stay inside the leather. And I've got a guy with the same odds that Charlie has this week. Uh, and I'm going to stick in the top 20 market and I'm going to take Jason Kokrak for a top 20 at plus 188 for a unit. Kokrak for me checks a lot of boxes that Hoffman checks for you. He's played really well on approach 33rd amongst the field, and he's trending very well. He's fourth in his last 12 rounds in approach. He's 13th off the tee in strokes gained, and he's 71st on approach outside 200 yards, which I mean, more or less checks in like just a tiny bit above average, but that'll work for this week, especially considering the challenges that this course will present. He said three top tens in March, hasn't missed a cut since RSM back in November. And he's had back-to-back top tens here. So the the only, I mean, the statistical profile looks great for Kokrak. I was reading an article from back in March when they did a kickoff for this championship and they had Kokrak show up to do like some of the festivities. I was like, why would Kokrak be who you pull in for this tournament? And then I go look at the stats. I'm like, oh, that's why. And he's, the, an, and he's an entertainer. He is an entertainer. That's right. So he fits a lot of boxes for why a tournament director would want him there. I want him on my card for the statistical reasons. So I'll take Kokrak top 20 for a unit. Would not be surprised if I push this to two units before this podcast is over. Okay. I'm the guy I mentioned before who is a mainstay on my cards, Paul Casey. I'm back for more. He uh, missed the cut at uh, Harbortown a couple weeks ago after a run of six straight top 30s. Four of those were top 10s. So I still think he's in great form, had that little aberration at Harbortown, I think. 
but his last 16 rounds, he still ranks third in the field, tee to green, third in approach, eighth around the green, 18th in putting. He's still standing out big time statistically, two-time defending champion, like you said, in 2019, 2018. He's too good with too good a course history not to play again, especially since I like him every week anyway. Top 10 plus 275 for a unit. Love Paul Casey. He's had success here. Some a number of Englishmen have had success at this yeah. course. Maybe it's like I truly didn't see this, and I should have probably looked before we started recording this. But I'm not sure what the weather's supposed to be in Palm Harbor this weekend. But maybe it's some of the weather things that would make it that way. Some difficult scoring conditions. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I don't hey, know. I what. don't know. I mean, it could be that you play from the rough a little bit more, just because yeah. of the size of the fairways, etc. But Whatever it is, Paul Casey seems to like it. So yep. I like him. <laughs> Top 10, hopefully gets it done. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else on inside the leather. I'm obviously going to have a couple more picks that we'll, we'll highlight. Um, but I don't have anything else to highlight at this moment. Is there anything else you want to do on inside the leather? No, inside the leather. I've got a few that I'll, uh, I'll share on uh, our sub stack at nolangup.com. We'll put it on social before the tournament starts, but uh uh, I feel really good about those two that I gave out. Uh, I have a couple more that I'll uh, I'll share on the air about double uh, with, for our double breaker. Um, okay. But uh, make sure that all you guys pay attention to all our social channels. Yeah, we'll see if we can go back to back winners this week. Um, which I will take for double breaker if you're cool. If I've got uh, a similar guy to Paul Casey, I'm going to stick with an Englishman to win, and I'm going to take Terrell Hatton at 25 to one for half a unit last week, we talked about Terrell Hatton and, and Danny Willett checking the box for Mark on the top 10 uh, double bogey at 18 after Danny Willett swiped his tee shot into the water on 18. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. They probably weren't in the win column uh, given where Leishman and Smith finished, but either way, the point still remains that I think Terrell Hatton's playing some of his better golf that he's played in a while checks a lot of the statistical boxes this week and is trending well we ta- I talked about Hatton at the start of the Florida swing as a guy I was keeping an eye on. He hasn't really done a ton. We're back for that final stretch, but he's only missed one cut since November on the PGA Tour. He had a 66 at Heritage on Sunday, then backs up another good week at Zurich, which you can't... The statistics from Zurich are tough. Guys are picking up balls. His best right. balls are on his shot. Can't look at that. And but, I don't think they're measuring strokes gained during the they, tournament. I don't believe they are either, right? There's no way to do that fairly. But mm-hmm. for me, Hatton 66 at Heritage is a good sign coming into Sunday. Then playing at Zurich, again, statistics aside, he placed well with Danny Willett, who's not a world beater. And, and Hatton's statistical profile is strong in approach. He's strong off the tee. And he's sixth in the uh, in the PGA Tour in approach outside of 200 yards. While he only has one showing here, he did get cut after an 81 on Friday last year. Oof. Not great, but I think Hatton's game's in a good spot. And I think he's been knocking at the door a little bit. He had a T eight last week, T 39 the week before T 18 a few weeks ago. I don't necessarily think he's been sniffing it, but I think he's got a good chance this week. So I'll take the half unit on the win at 25 to one. Okay. My first win bet is going to be on a guy Maybe I'm not entirely crazy about in terms of like throwing all my units at, but Justin Rose is 50 to one this week, and he is too good of a player historically 
and he's playing well enough uh, most recently that 50 to one is worth half a unit to me. He finished seventh at the Masters. So let's back it up. I think it was right before the Masters or more recently rejoined uh, forces with Sean Foley, his coach, when he was number one in the world. Justin Rose knows what he's doing. He knows he missed Sean Foley, obviously. His game got away from him a little bit. He was hurt for a little bit. Now he's back, had the solo seventh at the Masters, T11 with Stenson at Zurich. Um, He has success here, I believe, uh, fifth place finish in 2018. I will look that up right now. T5 in 2018. And the way he's playing, he's just too good to be 50 to 1. So much like... Kepka at in Phoenix and and some others you know uh, that we've had in recent weeks. I just think Rose is um, those odds caught caught my eye for sure, and uh, I'm gonna throw a half unit on that. This podcast learns its lessons. If nothing yeah. else, we learn lessons. Right. Don't miss the boat on guys who are playing well and whose numbers should not be that long. Doesn't mean they're to gonna one. win. Doesn't mean they're gonna win. But right. we play the value game. We play the value game. Those you gotta you have to bet numbers when I mean exactly that's like one of the core principles of betting in whatever sport you're going to bet you have to play numbers more than you're playing people and teams yes because if you can find value then bombs away yep that's where it's at put a tee in the ground and swing this week for me I've got one more that I that Mark already broke down. So I'm just going to say it. And Mark, you chime in here. Cause I know you like this guy. You've already touched on him for a top 20. I, before Mark and I even synced up for this episode, I had Charlie Hoffman on the card for a win bet at 45 to one for a half a unit for all the statistical reasons Mark already shared. And you, my friend, I think are tailing this, or yeah. maybe I'm telling you, cause you have more exposure to Hoffman than I do. <laughs> maybe, but we can join forces for this one because we, I mean, we both love him. I think it's rightfully so. We mentioned all of his numbers. Uh, you want to touch on his past success here? I know I know you uh, wrote a bunch of that. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of experience, and he's got what? What would you five say? Five top, top 20s? Five top 20s in his last six. So Awesome. I mentioned knows his, his way around this place. Yeah, I mentioned his GIR percentage this season and his uh, approach acumen from long distance. He's also 37th this season in rough proximity. So... Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's just basically how close you are to the hole when hitting from the rough. So mm-hmm. if you were to miss the narrow fairways, Hoffman's doing all right, getting on the green from there. So um, I, re- I really like his chances uh, this week. And so I believe you also have a half unit on it with me. I do. I do I have a half unit. I mean, and you touched on all this stuff, but man, for a guy who's top 10 in this field, and strokes gain T to green. And let me just round this out for you. That's Paul Casey, JT, DJ, Victor, Neiman, Connors. Like all those guys, they're in the 30s or shorter. Mm-hmm. Charlie Hoffman's statistical profile looks really good this week. And it's not like he doesn't know this course. So, yeah, that's all I have to say. 45 to 1 feels like value. Very I think good he's going to be a real popular one and done pick for the public. I think so too. too. Yeah. This is a good uh-huh. week to not burn a big gun because the purse isn't that big from a one and done perspective. Right. And you've got a guy who's like considered a mid tier guy who tears up a particular course. Like that's when you want to unload horse for course, Um, baby. So, you know, I think he'll be real popular one and done. You've got to make a decision. Do you want to be a public sheep and, 
kind of <laughs> you know ride with the rest of the the people or, or do you want you want to blaze your own path you know you make make those choices but uh, hoffman will definitely be heavily owned for sure sure will sure will um so we touched on that a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna keep this though for my other one um on double breaker and i'm gonna go ryan palmer top 10 at four and a half to one for a unit Ryan Palmer played well last week at Zurich with John Rahm. Again, not really putting a whole lot of weight in those stats, but good form is good form. The ball you're hitting is the same, regardless if it's alternate shot or if it's stroke play. And Ryan Palmer has been hitting the ball well as of late. He's got three of his last four top 20s, which does include the Zurich, which say what you will about that, but still he plays top 20. So I'm counting it. He's 27th in approach amongst this field, 17th off the tee and 25th tee to green and he's fifth in the pga the entire pga in uh, approach greater than 200 yards he makes cuts here he hasn't won here he hasn't really finished high here but i think his game is in a good spot so i'm going to take the idea that his game now is better than where his game has been in the past and i think ryan palmer flirting with the top 10 this week at four and a half to one solid value what are your thoughts on his jordans on the course I don't like any of the Jordans on the course for anybody. I don't. They just don't look like Keegan Bradley wears them. Harold Harold Varner wears them. Mm-hmm. Ryan Palmer wears them. John Rahm wears them. None of those guys look good in those shoes. Not no. one. Not I one. Personally, I personally can't pull them off. I, I wouldn't wear them either. either. Yeah. But I don't know. I, it caught my eye. Obviously, he got a lot of airtime this week playing with Rahm. Um, I just... You know, I love Jordan and I love-, I love Jordans too. There are just fashion challenge dudes on the PGA tour. Like yeah. Adam Scott is the captain of the club. And there are so many of them. We're like, what are you wearing today? Crazy. For a group, I- for you and I and our buddies who take the fit very seriously when it comes to our golf trip, which by the way, is three weeks away. I hope you have your fits. Are you ready? Do you have all the, I, you got all the apparel got ready the to go? fits picked out. I, I even have pants a pants outfit and shorts outfit for each day just because i'll have to monitor the weather that week of course i'm Come ready prepared. to bring i'm ready to bring either one you That's know good. i'm you know i'm ready sponsored by peter millar unofficially right. it looks like you're wearing the q-zip right now the walk-in well, you know, i had to represent i had to represent on your 12 to 1 love that you know, thank I you i rocked this all day into the office into my day job wow i said let's go walk it in on my chest all day long we hit, a, we hit an outright winner, and, and here right. we are. We're, we're touting the pot. Well, I appreciate that. And I, for the record, am also gathering the fit right now. I'm working with my partner to make sure we, we got a look. So I'm, I'm excited about it. But anyway, yeah, of looks, Ryan Palmer. Yes, go. My long shot placement bet that I wanted to give out, a guy who has been rocking white pants and crazy outfits and loud colors his entire career career he's now i think 39 years old camillo vijegas mm. he is nine to one just to finish inside the top 20 this week um so that's going to be one of my double breaker picks uh, i'm gonna go full unit on that wow because of how time. well he's playing now vijegas has been struggling for a couple of years now injuries struggles etc he has his off the the course issues he's dealing with, and I love rooting for the guy. Um, three of his last four events, though, a lot of promise: T eight, T seventeen, T twenty five, and three of those last four events. And then he was uh, in between those; he was cut in uh, Punta Cana. But 
he's playing really well in the uh, last couple months, last last few weeks here. And he, in his last 16 rounds, ranks 31st in the field around the green, 14th putting. So if he can control his drive somewhat, end up on or around the green, I like him to do pretty well. And at 9-1 to one for a top 20 when he's got no worse than a T25 in three of his last four events, sign me up. I have one that didn't make the card, but because of your Vajegas play, I might throw him on there. I had another look where I was like, this guy's odds are what they are for a reason, but this course has brought some magic, and that's Duffner. Duffner is is six to one for a top 20. He got cut the last two years, but before that, he had a run of six straight T24 or better. And then that smells like uh, like Luke Donald bets of mine in the yes. The, the, I was going to say it's got weeks, this you know? Luke Donald stink to it, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure I want to do that. Right, because those haven't worked out for me. I have that. not. But you know who else has played well here? Donald. I'm shocked Donald didn't <laughs> make the card. I know He's, he was he like one in well, 2012. Like you said about five minutes ago, we learn our lessons, and <laughs> I think he was yeah he was like T9 or T I don't know what he was. He was a couple T9 years ago. last year. He won in 2012, and then right. he followed up with T4, T4, and 13 and 14. He clearly plays well here. He likes the course, but like that was old Luke Donald, and I have now realized that. So I'm gonna spend my money elsewhere. Sounds like a plan. Maybe I'm still gonna follow this Duffner pick and. It might reek of Luke Donald, but I'm willing right. to plug my nose and power you, through. But I so in the in the book Zen Golf, for those of you who have read, you it helps to pre-accept all possible results. And before you bet on Duffner to finish top 20, you have to be able to accept that it may go down in a blaze of fury. Yes. But it might be the quickest burn ever too. like, he might go out through nine holes and just be like, Oh, well, Duffner's weekend's over. As long as you accept that possibility, then it's okay. Make the bet. And then you live with it. (laughs) But do you know what, but, but the other possibility, because again, accept all possible outcomes. Duffner plays well head in the weekend. And then who cares what the rest of my card looks like? Right. I'm just like, you got a six. Yeah. Right. Cause you just made six times. Let's go Duffy. Bring it home, baby. Do it right here. Declare it on the pod. All right. Declared. I'm so, I succumb to peer pressure so quickly. This is not good. My mother would not be happy with me right now. Plus you're playing, take, you're playing with last week's house money, which is nice. That's true. That's true. But also, you know, I'm trying to make up for some not so great weeks earlier on in the season. So right. it all evens out, but. So we'll call this the Luke Donald stink play of the week. Yes. Yes. I love that. The Luke Jason, Donald. Jason Duffner top 20. I love it. That sounds that's like a plan. To be clear, that's for Jeff, not for me. You're saying you're you're saying there's no stink on Vegas. Uh, Vegas. Not none that I can like immediately smell. Sure. But but if, know, the, wind, sure, if the wind I'm sure it, I'm sure it will I'm yeah. sure it will reek a little bit this week. I'm just hoping it comes out all right. Don't get downwind. Don't get no. downwind of Duffner or Vegas this week. Right. Love it. Um, one more for you. This is not on the card, and I won't let you convince me to put it on the card. Okay. Hovland and missed the cut two to one money. You're thinking about it hit. I know he played with um, Ventura last week who has not been good, but while Hovland's total T degree numbers have been good in like a 36 round sample in the last 12, he's below average in this field T degree. He's also 111th in approach 
in the last 12. This is data golf numbers. So I know different places have different right, things. I know but we do, we, yeah, we use different numbers, but his, oh, his off the tee numbers, his tee to green. Well, he's also brutal around the green. He is. I feel like I'm not going to play it, but if Hovland doesn't make the cut this weekend, that would not be surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could see that. I did. I liked some of what him and uh, and Chris Ventura were doing this week. I, I thought they they had they good mojo. Yeah. yeah, they obviously have got good mojo and 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 are good friends. But I mean, they had some good shots, and they're very quiet, the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting to watch them play because. For one, we don't get to watch Chris Ventura that much, and you know he's sure don't. He's an up and uh, up and comer, um, yep. not maybe not as good as Hoblin, but it was interesting to watch them. And interesting, you're thinking of that bet. I hadn't even looked into that, but I could see it happening. It's a it's a TBD, which we just talked about. Team Mojo, we need to file this away. We touched on it when we broke down Zurich, but next year we need to remember in our little Team Mojo segment we had Smith Leishman, Willett and Hatton, who you picked. We had. OK State, Hobbin and Ventura, who, you know, didn't do so hot for us, but we're in the mix. And then old pals Kisner and Scott Brown, they were also talking about Shank, and I forget who Adam Shank's partner was. But either way, like Zurich next year, forget the statistical profile stuff. Like, because Xander and Cantley were the statistical profile, Champ mm-hmm. and Fina were the statistical profile. That is a mojo event through and through. Like, yeah, that is a absolutely. pure mojo event. Like Rose and Stenson, you know, they exactly like even Stenson like was even Hoffman and Nick Watney, like guys who were like, yeah, kind of like older, used to be awesome, have flashes now. Like, you know, they uh, they played pretty well. Um, I'm looking at the leaderboard now. So Shank played with Tyler Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. You, the mojo part of it is important. Yep. Yep. Well, this week there is no mojo. There might be mojo on our picks because we both got Charlie Hoffman, but no mojo on the course because there's no team event. We're back to regular stroke play. Do you have anything else for the people before we walk them in this week? That's it. That's it. Let's uh, let's walk it in. Let's, Love it. Uh, to recap here, inside the leather, you are on Jason Kokrak top twenty for plus one eighty eight. I am on Charlie Hoffman, top 20, the same odds, plus 188. I'm also on Paul Casey, top 10, plus 275. And then our double breakers, you got Hatton to win at 25 to 1, Hoffman to win at 45 to 1. I've got uh, also on Hoffman to win at 45 to 1, Justin Rose to win at 50 to 1. And then uh, you've got Ryan Palmer, top 10, for plus uh, 450. Jason Duffner, newly added, top 20. The, the Luke Donald stinky. Yeah, the Luke Donald stinky special uh, <laughs> at six to one. And then I've got a Vijegas top 20 at nine to one. Um, so those are our uh, picks that we've made public so far. Remember to check out Substack, nolangup.com, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere else. Interact with us on there. We'd love to hear from you guys, what you guys are on, and mm-hmm. uh, let's roll them in. Yeah, everyone enjoy the week. We'll see you next week as we break down Quail Hollow and try to go back to back on the outright winners. We got some options here. Enjoy so. the tournament this weekend. And as Mark said, walk them in. We'll catch you next week on the Walking In Podcast.